What's the most important resource that you have? If you really thought about this deeply, I think you'd come to the same conclusion that Joey and I did. It's time. In our newest book, Wealth Without Wall Street, The Three Steps to Financial Freedom Through Passive Income, we talk about how are we tracking that time? Well, what is the thing that we can do to get more of that time back? That's right. If you've ever been listening to our podcast and thought, man, it would be amazing if I could take all the things that you guys have learned over the last 10 years and just summarize them, put them in some way to easily digest them and take action, that's what this book is all about. You're not going to want to miss it. Go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash new book and get your copy today. Stallion, what's the best question you've been asked lately by one of your children? Dude, you know that it is like constant, right? I mean, and I get it from a three-year-old to a 16-year-old, so I, everything in between. But last night, uh, Chapel, my nine-year-old, she says, putting her to bed, Dad, I just really want to know, like, will Adam and Eve be in heaven? And I'm like, I mean, where her brain has just been working on this thing, like just trying to figure it out. Like, Jesus wasn't born yet, and did they believe in Jesus? Because they were the ones that caused this whole fiasco the sin the sin of the world is on them you know they disobeyed and i'm like wow this is a theolog this is a deep question we'll have to come back to you on that but <laughs> it was awesome i mean i loved her the way her brain thinks here's what I, I i love about children's brains and asking questions is they're not afraid to learn and i think as we grow older for some reason we have this perception or this feeling that we have to know it all or yep. pretend that we know it all. And with that, then we're unwilling and unable to ask questions, which prevents us from learning it all, right? 100%. And today's podcast is all about us taking the questions that you've asked over the last couple of weeks and answering as many of them as we possibly can. So if it's infinite banking, it's becoming an investor, how to do all these things, we try to answer them. So jump in with us. Joey, grab your seat and let's belly up. Welcome to the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast, your guide to understanding how to get out of the Wall Street rat race and start your own mailbox money lifestyle. Now, don't let these handsome Southern draws fool you. These financial minds are teaching our country to enhance savings, increase cash flow, and create passive income, all without the help of Wall Street. Are you ready to break through? Now here are your hosts, Russ Morgan and Joey Murray. Welcome into the Financial Freedom Roundtable, where each week we break down complex financial topics so that you can more easily understand them, and more importantly, take action on your path to becoming financially free. If this is your first time joining us, welcome. Grateful to have you in the room. My name is Russ Morgan. They call me the idea guy, mostly because lack of falter guy just didn't sound so cool to me. But enough about me for a moment. Let me introduce you to my co-host, my partner. He's the Italian stallion. He's got the license plate covered to prove it. Mr. Joey Murray, stallion. Good afternoon. My brother, so glad to be here. Man, you know, this is the one of my favorite podcasts that we do when we get questions from our community. We get to answer those. It's like helping people, people helping people here. 
People helping people. That's right. I think it's important because, you know, you may be that person that's on your own solo. You've been listening to the podcast and you're, you have these things kind of going around in your head anyway, but you haven't taken the step to join the community. You haven't taken the step to work with one of our coaches directly. And I think this highlights that you're not alone and that these are the very similar things that people are going through. So um, yeah, for us to take this time and to start answering some of these things live right here, I think uh, it kind of clears the cobwebs and uh, tells you, you should be a part of this, right? Be a part of a community who is on their path to financial freedom. And so join us, go to wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash free call, jump on a call with one of these guys, and they will walk you through exactly how to get started. Speaking of these guys, not just these guys, this is the dream team of financial coaches, bro. That's right. That's right. All right, let, let's introduce them. Let's bring somebody into the room here. I got the true financial Sherlock Holmes of our day. No problem too difficult to solve. If I'd only known him earlier, I'd be so much richer, said everybody. Mr. Downtown Ernie Brown. Nice to see you, Ern. Nice to be seen. Grateful to be here. Hey, you've been getting some questions lately. Do you think it's important for us to cover questions live or should we always do it one-on-one? Mm, I, I was taught when answering a question, never, never go with the answer that includes absolutes, like always. So I'm going to go with no <laughs> <laughs> and say, it's been so helpful to me to be a part of this community because I think we learn better together, right? I mean, how many times have we heard someone else raise their hand and ask a question that we just haven't even thought about asking yet that just unlocks different parts of our mind, connects things that we're already thinking about. That's, that's so helpful. So I'm going to go with, it is helpful to do this live and together. Yeah, I know it is. I just, I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to pull over to Mr. It depends, Mr. Catch me if you can, when he's not out uh, killing bears with his bare hands or spear dime for tuna, he's right here dropping gold nuggets. The one and only Mark Caraguchi. Welcome Mark. Good afternoon. I like this question. I, I, I always enjoy forums because even if someone's question is from a sector that you're not involved in, or it's an idea that, that you're not necessarily keen on, um, solutions can cross borders. So what's working in one sector, you may think, well, I, I, I don't really care about that sector, but you can actually apply it possibly where you are. And I'll give you an example of that. Um, there's these huge, big flashing lures that they use for salmon. And they're just these, these large flashers and they just spin in these big arcs. Well, they were never really out on the West Coast for ages, but they were used up in, I think like the Great Lakes area or something. So it took somebody from a different area, bringing a tool and a solution to a problem where they were trying it out in an area where everyone else said, that doesn't make any sense. Why would that work? And the salmon just couldn't help themselves. They, they were just all over that lure. So Again, don't think that just because you haven't heard it, or maybe it's a sector that you don't particularly uh, find exciting for you, solutions are solutions, and it's just going to keep broadening your horizon of what's possible. I like that little, little fishing reference for the guy who goes hunting and fishing all the time. Hey, you know, I get a question sometimes. They're like, man, what's the whole thing with Mr. Piano Man? Why do you say we're all in the mood for passive income and you got to see in the light? Well, that's what happens when you're around Mr. Matthew Hammond, because it's like Mr. Piano Man, the multi-talented. Welcome back. How are you, Matthew? I'm doing well, Russ. Thanks. Thanks for having me, as usual. Uh, always happy to be here. 
So you've gotten um, a, a number of questions as you've kind of started helping us from a coaching front and jumping on this podcast. One of those questions are, man, why is it that you are on this podcast? What is it that made you interested enough to, to spend time with these guys that you would share on a, on a weekly basis, your thoughts and nuggets? What would you tell people? Well, listen, I, I want to echo what Ernie said. You know, you, you just don't know what you don't know. And sometimes you just don't have enough knowledge to even know what questions to ask. And um, as a as a Star Trek geek, um, if any there, if there any Star Trek geeks are listening out there, then you are aware of this race called the Borg. And the Borg is actually a perfect illustration of the fact that a collective mind is so much more powerful than any individual mind. So that's why community is so important because you get you, you can get questions answered that you didn't even know to ask. Well, you didn't ask my you didn't answer my question. Why <laughs> is it that you're on the podcast, man? I mean, like you had that one dialed up and ready to go. It was good. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like the forward <laughs> comment. I'll have to go. I have to, you know, look at I have to trust you on that one. Listen, listen, I'm on the podcast. You know, I, I can answer questions when I can answer questions, but I'm also on the podcast to get some questions that I may have answered. So, like I said, community is important. I don't have all the answers, so I got to get them too. All right. I'm with you. All right. Well, to, to your right, I got the king of Beham, Mr. Real Estate himself. He's the agnostic to his type as long as it produces cash flow. The multi talented Jamie O'Brien. Good to see you, Jamie. Good to be here, Russ. Another day in paradise, my friend. All right. What What is the number one question you've been asked lately that you think we need to start off with strong by answering? Man, the number one question that I think I hear most commonly is probably around how soon can I get money out of my system? Mm -hmm. People want to know as soon as they fund their system, how fast can I get access to that capital? Gotcha. And you're talking about their air conditioning system, their, <laughs> their, their infinite banking system. Yes. Okay. All right. I, I'm feeling you. I, I hear you. All right. And, and you say as soon as possible. As soon as possible. As soon as possible. Varies. As soon as that fund, typically, it depends, Mark, but typically as soon as that, uh, as soon as those funds clear the insurance company and are in your, in your policy, in your account, you have access to them. Okay. All right. I like that. And you, you know that from personal experience, don't you? Personal experience. Absolutely. Absolutely. My whole goal was to, to get my system going and start using it as fast as possible. By the way, what was the first thing you used your, your policy and your system for? Oh, that's a good question. It's been several years now, but it, it, I, I believe it was a real estate deal. I, I believe I funded um, rehab on one of my properties. By I, using thought that, I thought that was the case. I couldn't yeah. remember. Yep. All right, Joey, I'm going to have fun with this last introduction because this man, not only is he a DFM, doctor of financial medicine, he's one of those that has a precision-like approach to cash flow where he can hmm. diagnose problems just by looking at your financial statement, Mr. Automated Budget himself, Mr. Eric Hudson. But Mr. Eric Hudson, as I bring him into the, into the podcast today, he was a man that used to ask us a lot of questions, Joey. He was very skeptical, but yet somehow we've we've brought him over to the good side from the dark side. <laughs> Completely. Great to, have you. Great to have you on the good side and in the podcast today, Eric. Holy smokes, it's good to be here. So thankful for you guys and for this opportunity. The longest introduction to date. Sorry about that, bro. <laughs> it's all right. Bring it. 
Hey, I I, I want to start with you if it's okay, because we, we we a lot of times have people who are listening to this podcast for the very first time, yeah, and they they hear Joey's call to action that says, "Hey, if you want to talk to one of these coaches, go to wealthwellwallstreet.com forward slash free call." Yeah, and 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 they take us up on that, just like a friend of yours said, "Hey." I was driving by this business and I saw the sign that said wealth without wall street at the time we had a, we actually had a physical location. We no longer do. And it's super interesting. I stopped in and talked to these guys and you need to, you need to go talk to them. Right. Yeah. And, and you had a lot of questions. I think a lot of same questions that people who meet us for the first time have, would you mind sharing one of those questions that you had with the, with the audience? Because I think that may be a question that they're trying to find out as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, um, you know, this IBC whole life insurance passive income um, system is not something that everybody's doing. And the reason we're on this call is because I'm pretty famous for saying, I hate to throw around my vocabulary, but there's no such thing as financial omniscience. And um, I certainly, I know, don't ask me to spell it. I, I I certainly um, had gotten sort of stuck in my own financial worldview before I met you guys and had sort of believed uh, the hype of what everybody else was doing. I was moving with the crowd. And um, since I was moving with the crowd, I felt safe in that. But, um, you know, I, one of the things I got asked today was just specifically today was, okay, if I put my money in there, like Jamie has done and got a loan out of it, how how is it, how really easy is it to get your money back out? I mean, am I going to have to fill out this long set of forms before the insurance company is going to send me my money? And I just looked straight in the camera and I said, my friend, I'm glad you asked that question because that's one of my favorite ones to answer. So I do it two ways. On my personal policies, I have a line of credit. And let me pull my drawer open here and show you my checks that I use to write to get money out of my policy instantly, anytime I want it. I said, but I'm also a CFO for a family office here in town, a family that owns numerous businesses, and they don't use the lilac system. When they want a loan, we actually call the insurance company. I do that call for them. And you know what the insurance company asked me, Russ? What's that? How much and when or where do you want to send? You want me to send it? Well, and do you think that that was a question that you were trying to answer for yourself early on? Like, one, this is completely out of the realm of what I've done personally and what I've been helping my customers do, right? Like, as you said, you've been a CFO, kind of a, a private family office. Um, and up to that point, you had not been exposed to infinite banking. So is that kind of one of those questions is if I put money in this thing, can I really access it? Can I really get it back? And what are the processes to go through it? Yeah, that that was a big question. But, you know, if you're talking about the very beginning, what I had to get over the fact was being told and pounded into me that life insurance was the payday loan of the middle class. Mm. Mm. Cash value life insurance. That that is such a great line, by the way, man. I, whoever came up with that is a heck of a marketing professional, <laughs> <laughs> no doubt. Yeah. Well, and, and it is that right. So, who who wants to be associated with the payday loan 
deal. That's terrible. Well, you know, lots of things sounds good if you say them really fast, right? And so it went, but when you start digging into the truth behind a manner, all of a sudden that thing that you said really fast may not hold up. Gotcha. Well, I've never been accused of saying anything very fast, so that would not be an issue I'd deal with. <laughs> All right, let, let, let me get over here to Earn. right? So, Earn, I, I come up with a list of questions. I'm going to single you out first, and you can tell me what your thoughts are. All right, first. All right, I'm shopping to refinance my home loan, and my guy's talking to me about an all-in-one loan. I like that. I could put all my money into it, like you guys talk about, and pay off my home quicker. Should I do it? Yeah, uh, I gave you, you know, I sent this question in because that was either this week or last in one of my, one of my coaching calls, this guy asked this question and, and I just would say this in, in these conversations, I'm trying to get a big understanding of what are all the financial factors going on? What are we, what are we big picture doing with money to make sure that as we implement any strategy, that everything is pulling its weight towards the goal, right? So should should somebody do this all-in-one loan? Sure. Should someone else not do this loan? Absolutely. And it became clear to me, and I, I tried to do my best to talk through this with this guy. And to be honest, I don't know if it 100% landed with him, but the idea of, of this option of setting up a line of credit to sweep all of your cash into it for the purpose of paying less in interest over the life of a home loan or a line of credit is, is going against <laughs> two things. Number one, building a place where you control your capital long-term that will benefit your family. And number two, securing your position of cash so that you can go do deals that create way more interest <laughs> than you're going to end up saving if it went into the into the home. So just in short, that was the conversation that I had with him. Um, I didn't make any recommendation on should he do it or not, because that's not my position to play for him. That's that's his decision to make. But we were talking through and making sure that he made this decision in light of his goals. Uh, I love that. All right, Joey, I got I got a question for you here, man. All right. I'm trying to figure out which passive income source to pursue, right? I I watch your podcast, the one on passive income report, where you you guys detail land flipping, short-term rental, e-commerce, syndications, on and on and on. They all look great. I just don't know which one I should start. Should I start them all? How would you answer that question? I'd say if your partner's with Russ, you just better hold on because he's just gonna he's gonna do them all. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. What I would say is, man, what you and I've learned over the years is that we each uniquely have ways and perspectives in which we see the world that God's gifted us with that affect the way we view each one of our different investment opportunities. And if you understand that along with where you're at on your journey. So if you're just starting out, you may not do certain passive income streams that you would do later on in your journey. Right. And I think you've been one to tell us in the past that 
you know, the people that have been the most successful didn't diversify to begin with. They went deep on one area, became experts in that area, made all their money in that area, and then started to diversify from there. And I think there's a lot of wisdom to that. But the first things first is I would tell you to take our investor DNA profile. It's a, it's a way in which you can look at your personality profile against a, there's about 10 different strategies in our passive income matrix that tell you the pros, the cons, and the key resources. Like for instance, maybe you, you would really do well with syndications, but one of the key resources is you have to be an accredited investor and you can't find one that would fit your needs like that. Well, that's, it's not a good strategy for you, even though you would actually enjoy it today. It's something that will come later. So start with your investor DNA and build out from there, uh, you know, bring it down to funnel it down to the one or two things that you can actually use. If you've listened to our show for any length of time, you've heard us talk about infinite banking and how we were able to use that concept to create over $50,000 a month in passive income. But it's just not that easy to figure out how does this all connect into my own personal system? Stallion, that's why we created the Passive Income Operating System, bro. It shows you how to turn active income into passive income. It makes all the steps come together. If you would like to get access to it as a podcast listener, we've never given this away in public before. Go to whatswhatwallstreet.com forward slash P-I-O-S. There was nothing worse than walking into class when you're in school and the teacher saying, pop quiz day. Why? Because you were unprepared. Are you unprepared, though, for financial freedom? Don't be. Find out how close you are by taking our 30-second quiz at wealthwithoutwallstreet.com forward slash quiz. All right, Mark, I'm coming back into this infinite banking space a little bit, but a little higher level question, right? We got a, several questions around infinite banking that we need to answer, it seems like. But this one is coming from a business owner. He says, well, shouldn't I start the, the first life insurance policies in my business rather just on me? And then he follows that up with saying, make sure you cover talking about the flexibility of both the personal versus the business and who owns the asset. So like, how is that, um, that question important for you? So we, we've covered this a couple of times. We've gone over in, in earlier podcast roundtables where we've talked about the way that we would hierarchy these out. We always would, would want to start with the individual first. And then once we satisfy that, then we can look at maybe the next generation. Uh, and then we would want to come back around to business policies. One of the things that I like to share with people is if, if your business starts a policy on you, who owns and has the right to that policy? And the answer is the business. And so now the funds that are within that, that asset, that life insurance policy are now beholden to the business. So those funds are used exclusively within the business. You can't necessarily use those funds to go buy yourself a personal car, uh, put braces on your kid, um, take a family vacation, because that's part of the business. Also, if you were to try to sell your business, the business is the owner of that piece of life insurance. And so now that is something that has to be negotiated out or negotiated in. And now you've lost this chunk of resource potentially. So the reason we like to start on us is, well, if I have a policy on me, 
we've already spoken, Anthony Faso has done a presentation. This is not tax advice because I'm not a tax planner or a CPA or anything of the sort, but there are ways that you can use a personal policy to take a loan and actually lend it to your business and use it within it and get some benefits that way. So now I have control, which is one of the things a lot of people are, are looking for, right? People that we speak to on the phone, they feel like they're losing control in the way that the, the system is set up for them right now. So they're looking for a measure of control. If you are the owner of that life insurance policy, you get to dictate when and how those funds can be used and what they can be borrowed for. Yeah, and then also, you know, just the little last bit there is if, if you were to, heaven forbid, pass away early, you have a beneficiary where those funds are going to go. If it's the business, the business is going to be the one that's going to hang on to that versus your family, versus your children, versus your spouse. So that would kind of be my take on that. And it's a super common question. And I love it because people are looking at it like, I want to build this right the first time. And so they're coming at it from a very intentional perspective of wanting to make sure that they have all the facts and figures. And that's all we do. Like Ernie said, our job is not to tell you what to do, but we can share with you ideas of what's worked in the past, pros and cons, so that you can make the best decision. Good stuff. All right, Matthew, here's a question for you. Where can I find a good CPA slash tax strategist? Well, first of all, before I answer this question, I'd like to reassure you, Russ, that I actually did listen to the question this time. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. My wife tells me on, on many occasions uh, when she's talking to me that uh, oftentimes I don't actually listen. I just wait to talk. <laughs> and so I'm still working on that, uh, that little uh, personality uh, <laughs> issue. But that being said, so your question. <clears throat> so where can I find a good CPA or tax strategist. I get this question a lot, especially, especially the closer you get to the end of the year, this question pops up more and more. And, and frankly, choosing a CPA and or a tax strategist is like choosing a business partner or even a spouse. Don't tell my wife that, but it is. <laughs> I mean, you have to make sure that you're compatible. Not all CPAs and tax planners are created equal. If you already have a CPA or tax planner and you, and you find yourself spending an inordinate amount of time educating them on the tax implications for every investment strategy that you're implementing, then it might be time for an upgrade. Mm. I mean, there are many, there are many great CPAs and tax strategies out there. Some of which are in our community right now. So uh, as far as, uh, as far as where can I find a good one? I would say, start with our community. You know, we have, like I said, we have great tax strategists and CPAs in our community. And uh, if they, for whatever reason, can't help you, then there's plenty of community members that can refer you as well. Yeah. And to that point, for those who don't know how to utilize our community or even what Matthew's talking about our community, you can go to wealthwallstreet.com forward slash community and get into our free community, download the free app in the app store, Wealthwalt Wall Street, and things like that. You could ask a question about, hey, I'm looking for a CPA. I'm looking for a tax strategist. And what will happen is that you'll have several people that usually get tagged in posts like that, which are people inside of our community. So that's how you get connected and you can utilize the resources of other people around you. All right, Jamie, I'm coming to you. So you have, have spent a lot of time inside the, the real estate game, right? Yep. And for those people who are interested in getting in real estate, but they don't have a whole lot of money. So here's a question. I want to invest in real estate, but I have limited capital. 
how can I get started? What would you tell them? Man, that's a great question. And I hear it all the time. I mean, there's there's so many ways to make money in real estate. It's almost it's almost blinding by the opportunity, right? I, I think the key to to really being successful in real estate is figuring out which path you want to go down. And, and I'm probably not one to talk to that because I've tried about everything in single family homes that you possibly can do. But if you're limited on capital, there's probably a chance that you have a lot of time. So, I mean, there's there's a couple of options. I mean, wholesaling is something we've talked about in the past on this uh, podcast where you don't, it's got, got a low barrier of entry to, to real estate. There's also the opportunity to JV with people. Maybe you're out trying to find deals or you're out trying to um, negotiate contracts for somebody who is doing a scale and you have the opportunity to come in and be a part of that deal, maybe at a lower level, but you don't have to bring the capital to it. There's also the opportunity if you do have a solid income, you know, a lot of people don't think about private lenders or, you know, hard money lenders. There's opportunities to find capital for real estate if you have a deal that makes sense to the lender. So I, I never think the capital is a hurdle to real estate. Um, you know, we're going to have Jeff Stevens at our live event who talks purely about creative financing and seller financing, where a lot of times you need very little capital to get in into that game if you can get the owner of a property who needs to get out of it, hold the note for you. And then you pay them through that cash flowing asset over time. So uh, there's a lot of strategies, but I think it's real important to kind of get, get focused on what you're trying to accomplish, what that end goal is, and then figure out where to go from there. That's so good. All right, Earn, we got people who hear on our show about the infinite banking concept. And they go and they talk to their local financial advisor and they say, yeah, I can help you with the whole permanent life insurance deal. I've got this variable universal life policy. And by the way, instead of it only earning three or 4% or whatever the guarantees are on that whole life contract, mine will earn 8% and I can take loans. Is that something that they should do? And if not, what feedback would you give them? Yeah. Well, again, I brought this question just based on a recent phone conversation I had with this guy and, uh, you know, probably didn't answer the the question perfectly, but I think I'll try to remember some of the, some of the key things I did mention to him. And Russ, he did bring up the idea of, of in this conversation, this guy was saying, Hey, my advisor says this, this will earn eight and yours is, is guaranteed to earn four. Is that right? I said, no, it's actually not guaranteed to earn four. <laughs> and so just to, just to play, Hey, you know, if we want to split hairs, is, 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 is that, is that 8% guaranteed? What are you talking about there? And, and so just kind of broke that down. And, and here's what I said. I said, for me, you know, I I'm interested in putting my cash in a very safe place to store to then go put into risk if I want to, right? I've, I bought cars, I've financed down payment on a house, uh, but I've also invested in a couple business ventures. And those places, I wanted my cash to come from somewhere very safe. Now, what if I told you, if we started putting dollars into that type of product, this VUL, that in the future, uh, you might get a call and someone would tell you that you need to put more money than you've been planning to put into that product. How would that be for you? Or what if the interest rate that you earned on that product swung greatly year over year? 
Or what if they called you later down the road and told you that your access to cash in that product was going down? <laughs> and all along the way, you've been trying to borrow against this thing to go leverage into risk. How'd that go for you? And, you know, to be honest, again, I don't know if this totally landed with this guy, but he was interested in learning more about the infinite banking concept so that getting understanding around that, then we could talk about what's the best product to use to accomplish that. And so we're moving into an education process. He's coming into this community to get it surrounded around people who have had those same experiences. Mark, I know you personally have gone down that road, different form of the UL. And so I'm just excited for him to, to be able to sort this out in his mind as he gets education, as he gets organization, and as he gets inspiration from this community. Well, uh, here, here, here's some, you know, people trying to figure out what the acronym of UL and VUL and EIUL, what does all that stand for, right? Well, the UL is you lose. The yes. VUL Come is very likely you lose. <laughs> <laughs> the EIUL is eventually, inevitably, you lose. Okay, just so you know. And by the way, when people have questions about VUL and they want to talk about its ability to work in this environment, just say, call Russ, just asking. Not only did I own VULs, I also worked with a couple who were in their 70s. Um, the husband actually, you know, during our time, got into his late 80s. They had bought a variable universal life policy 10 years before I ever met them and that that advisor had long since gone and um they called the home office and they forwarded them to me because i i helped people with that same insurance company and for the five years i tried everything i possibly could to help them keep those life insurance policies going because the husband had a terminal illness ultimately ended up dying one when we were together and they were doing everything they possibly could to keep them going, but they were having to put in 12 to $15,000 a year, Ernie. And this is for a couple who never made more than $50,000 in any year of their whole life. And they were draining their personal savings to try to keep these alive because the expenses on those insurance policies were five to six times what they were earning on an annual basis. Nobody told them about that. Nobody told them about the variable cost. <laughs> they talked to them about the variable returns, which seems super exciting. But when the variable returns go the opposite way, it becomes a big issue. So I'll, I'll leave that for another day. But if you ever have a question on VUL, just feel free to hit me up in the community. I'll, I'll give you a lifetime's worth of experience that will probably have you thinking, oh, that may not be the best fit for me. All right, Mark. Let's talk about um, the use of these dollars. Eric earlier had alluded to, and Jamie as well, about when could you access money within the life insurance policies, but nobody's touched on repayment yet. So you had a guy recently that reached out to you and says, hey, I wanna utilize these life insurance policies, cash values to be able to borrow against it and go buy something, maybe like a trailer or something. When do I have to repay it? So this, this, my, my answer is going to have two parts for you here. The first part is, why do we set these things up? We set these up because we want this to be a tool to help us accomplish certain things in our life and to bring joy and happiness and, and so forth. So this actually was a young lady 
who wants to sell her car, borrow against her life insurance policy to go buy a Jeep, and then borrow a little bit more so she can go buy a trailer so she can start to build some life experiences traveling around, trailering and camping. And I'm thinking, that's amazing because that's what this whole thing is about, right? Options, opportunities, creating freedom, being able to build those experiences. So I'm super excited for her. And her question is, so when I borrow this money, I'm using the life insurance company's money. I, I remember that from our conversation. When do I have to pay them back? And I said, well, that's the great part is when would you like to pay them back? What type of a schedule are you going to set up? I'm assuming you're not going to just borrow money with no possible means of being able to repay it. And she said, no, no, I'm, I'm, I've got an idea of how I want to repay it. And I said, well, great. Here, here's, here's the fun part for you is you have the flexibility to determine that repayment schedule. And so if she comes into some extra cash along the way, maybe she gets a Christmas bonus or something like that. She's got this outstanding loan. And I said, now what you can do is you can actually accelerate your repayment because that's just going to lower your outstanding balance, which is going to reduce the amount of interest that's applied because it's only applied to the outstanding balance. I said, then even better then is if a little bit further down the road, you realize, oh my goodness, I actually could use some of that money that I just used to repay my loan, what do I do now? And I said, well, couldn't you just take out another loan to re-liberate those dollars and put them back to work in the real world? So she was super excited about that. And of course it was emojis because it was an email, um, but through the emojis, I got you know smiley faces and thumbs ups. Uh, and so I'm like, great. So she sees it, she's recognizing the, the value and the opportunity of it. And she's seeing the flexibility, which from a personal standpoint for her is going to fit life from a business standpoint, all of us as entrepreneurs can recognize the flexibility of being able to move and flow with your repayment schedule. I love it. So uh, Russ, I don't know if you, if you're okay, I want to jump in here. Uh, we've had some questions from our live audience here, the inner circle in the chat. And I want to ask your opinion on one of them, if that's okay. In, in the sense of like creating a joint venture and joint venture opportunities, how do you set up or pay an operator if you are the one bringing the capital? All right. Well, first, let's, let's break down what a joint venture is. Typically, a joint venture is when you have somebody with experience meeting somebody who has cash. And at the end of the deal, they switch places. Okay. <laughs> 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 just just clarifying what a joint venture is for those who are not familiar with that term. So how do you set up and pay an operator, someone who's going to run the business as compared to the person who's bringing money? Now, this is something that is right in my jam, right? I, I love looking at investments and turning them into businesses. Now, I don't want to run the businesses, though. And I want to find someone whose gift and skill set is running the business. So first, you need to find an operator that you know and trust can operate the business. And there's ways to do that. One of the tools that we use is something called the Culture Index, which helps us understand what their, their gifts are in a, a job work um, situation. But the way that I think that you have to do it, you have to co-create it. I don't think there's a one-size-fits-all. Right. I think that you need to be able to determine if the operator decided one day to leave the business, could you replace them? 
And what would it cost to replace that person, right? Whether that's a salary, a percentage of the business. I think that helps you understand. There's some businesses out there where let's just use operating a a management company for a long-term rental business that you've created. Maybe you've got 30, 50, 75 doors like our friends, the Camaros, right, Mark? And and you've partnered with somebody who's, I've brought the capital and they're running all of the, the rental properties. Well, what percentage would I be willing to give that person for doing all the operations? Well, it goes down to how easily would it be to replace them, right? In the in the rental world, right, there are lots and lots of operators who operate management companies and they charge a very specific fee. And so it's really easy for me to determine, okay, well, if this person were to leave, I know what the cost would be to replace them. But maybe in a different type of business, if I'm running a, a business that's very highly specialized, very technical, that maybe very few people have operated, maybe like an e-commerce business, Joey, and they they have a skill set of dealing with imports and exports and warehouses and all, all the ins and outs that when you're dealing with um, Amazon, for instance, there's not just tons and tons of those people out there that you know of, and they don't advertise publicly what their fee is. So I think you're going to have to get down to the the nitty gritty with that person to figure out what does it make sense for them. And the last part I would say is for us, we've done this in several different ways, one in our land flipping business and one in the short-term rental business. And we were figuring out what would it cost to replace them? What were, what was a win-win for both of us? And in each one of those situations, we had different percentages. So there's not a right size for all of them. Yeah. So to Mark's point, it's, it depends, but that's the, philosophy and thought process I would use in order to break it down. Awesome. Yeah. I, I knew you were the guy to answer that one. And, and you're right. It is, it is something that's going to vary, but to think about those key aspects will help anybody prepare for that. So I know we're almost out of time, but Ernie, I want to come to you with one of our, again, live chat questions. This one from Jonathan. Uh, what are the positives and negatives of using leverage to begin a policy? And imagine that being in any, there's all different places you can get leverage, whether it be a bank loan, equity against your home, um, a 401k loan, like there's all these different places. What would you say to that? What are the pros and cons of using leverage to begin funding a life insurance policy? That's right. Yeah. Uh, I've helped people do both of those things. Uh, I think the pro is it helps you go fast right? Helps you supercharge your access to cash, put that cash into an insurance policy, captures long-term growth, borrow against it, go get in something else, right? Uh, Whether you're financing something personally or you're making an investment elsewhere, that leverage can help you go fast. Uh, The other benefit of just having a life insurance policy, you've got the death benefit. There's something that didn't exist before. Uh, Those are all good things. Um, the positive also, if you're, whatever you're leveraging into, if you, if you've got experience and we're, we're focused on creating passive income, right? So if you've got experience already doing that, then it will help you go fast, right? If you don't have experience in that, or if you're leveraging, if you're leveraging into leverage to go get into something that's speculative, there's where you could create a whole lot of pain, 
right? And so I, I would be, that's a, that's a, let's be careful about this. Let's be strategic about this. This situation, while it's good for one deal for one person, is not good for another deal, another person. And so I think it comes down to the exact situation to know, should you do this or not? Yeah, I, I think that just the key there is the experience, right? Understanding the thing that you're doing first. <clears throat> I think too oftentimes people jump into things because they get access to easy cash. Now, that easy cash is not as easy as it used to be, right? With rates increasing, but those are the issues. But still today, there's not people that are super experienced in is super experienced in investing in whatever they're investing in that are worried about the interest rates because they know how to make money in all environments is those who are getting in with no experience and are just using easy cash, which get in trouble. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for answering these questions. It's so, um, it's so difficult when you're out there with these, these thoughts running around in your mind and you want to know, how do I set up a life insurance policy? How quickly can I access it? What if I, you know, want to invest in uh, a syndication and I, I'm not a, you know, accredited investor? I, I want to, I want to know the answers to these things, and so that's what this is for. And we try to do this as often as we can because we get lots of questions. But the easiest way you get your questions answered is you jump on a 15 minute call and you talk a little bit about what you're trying to accomplish. And then the coaches can help you navigate through the questions that you have, hopefully getting you closer to the thing that you want. And if that's financial freedom, we can show you where people have done that on a very frequent basis. All right, gentlemen, I'm going to uh, come around and get final thoughts. Uh, Jamie O'Brien, you're up first. Final thoughts today. Yeah, I mean, my final thoughts, Russ, just to your point of, of get into the community, ask your questions. Is I, I believe there are two ways to solve a problem. One is to ask questions of hopefully somebody that may have the answer or to spend a lot of time and effort trying to figure it out yourself. And so that's where I, I fully believe that the power of this community brings people together to ask questions, to get there faster and solve problems. Yeah. It, you know, there's always that, that I will uh, add is you can uh, borrow information or pay retail for it. And it, it always costs a little bit more to get that experience yourself. I'm dealing with that today. Eric Hudson, final thoughts. Yeah, don't. And, you know, a lot of times we ask a question just thinking about our own situation that we're involved in. But remember, every time you ask a question in this community or of one of the coaches in a public forum, you're asking a question that somebody else wants to know the answer to as well. And maybe they're not as bold as you are. So think about every question you ask as an opportunity to help somebody else learn. Oh, so good. And don't be afraid to open your mouth and show ignorance, right? Because at least you'll get that answer. Matthew, final thoughts. Again, I just want to reiterate that the importance of community. I mean, again, you don't, you don't know what you don't know. So if you don't know to ask the question, you're never going to get the answer. So you got to rely on the community to, to ask some of these questions that you haven't thought of so that you can, you can go far. Earn final thoughts. Uh, just a personal reflection, I guess. I remember back in 2016 when I was brand new to all of this, I was wearing both of you guys out with questions. <laughs> I was yeah. never afraid to ask questions and you guys were gracious to spend time and draw on whatever you had around 
glass walls, back of envelopes, <laughs> Russ on the back of my notepads. <laughs> <laughs> and and man, it just is so awesome uh, that that we haven't kept that just to an office space that we've created a community and just think about just the richness of of how many questions were probably asked in 2016 compared to the number of questions that are being asked through the end of 2022, where we are now. And just a testament to the value of people gathering uh, around a common purpose and being willing to share and ask questions and learn together. So awesome. So good. Stallion. I, I would say, um, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything to add to this, except that this is a place that you're welcome because none of us are have arrived, right? Uh, our our Nelson Nash, our mentor of so many years, put in his book on purpose, The Arrival Syndrome, as one of the hindrances to keeping you financially enslaved and or, in this case, not getting to financial freedom. And I believe it. If you believe you've already got all the answers, this isn't the place for you. But if you have them, this is where we need to join up and join forces so we can go fast. I think you mixed that up, but I get what you're saying. Mark. I'm just recalling a podcast when, when you guys interviewed this, this really young, handsome, you know, successful pilot guy. And uh, Russ, when did you guys hear about ATM machines? When you opened your mouth and talked about them? Yes. Now, why, why did I open my mouth and talk about it? Because we asked you. Because you guys were asking the question, hey, what are you doing right now? So again, questions don't have to just be, hey, you know, IBC specific or hey, this specific. A question can just be, hey, Joey, what are you doing right now? What's working? Because if you play the game of I have a secret and you don't share what's working for you and you don't share what isn't working, you are putting everyone else at risk. This community, like everyone has said here, is about people helping people, George Costanza and the human fund. Come on, you know, it's, it's, it's a real thing. So when you're asking questions, don't be afraid to share what's working. Don't be afraid to share what missed. And don't be afraid to chime in and offer some ideas to other people because we're all going to get there so much better. So don't keep secrets. It's not fun. No doubt. Well, I'm going to end this with the question. If what you thought to be true turned out not to be true, when would you want to know it? Have an amazing day. This has been the Wealth Without Wall Street podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the show to break free of the Wall Street mindset and begin building wealth on your own terms in places you understand so that your wealth will never run dry. See you next episode.